I like to talk about Miramichi. I like to talk about sports. It's in my wheelhouse. We have hosted major midget Atlantics and then had our team ripped away from us thanks to Hockey New Brunswick. That still pisses me off. What I love about it is that you remember it one way, I remember it another, but we'll both remember it as The Run. Welcome to The Run. This is episode 12. Jerry Green joins me. Jerry, welcome back. Patty, it's always a pleasure. All right, here we go. We're going to start with the New Brunswick Senior Baseball League. And by the way, Jerry's hat trick debuted last time. So later in this podcast, we'll have round number two of Jerry's hat trick. Sometimes you get a little worked up too, Jerry. I do? Yeah, sometimes you do. Well, I think when you when you task me with coming up with these three subjects, it's something that should be somewhat emotional, shouldn't it? And you're, you're an all-in kind of guy. Yeah, I'm all-in. All right. So we'll start with the New Brunswick Senior Baseball League. We are recording this on Monday, July 15th. Here are the standings as of uh, today. The St. John Alpines folks continue to lead the way with a 17-5 and record, and uh, they are six and a half games up on the Moncton Fisher Cats, who downed the Chatham Senior Ironman last night in Moncton. We'll get to that. Moncton is 8-9. Fredericton is 6-7. The Ironmen are 8-10. Charlottetown, 5-13. Of note, what jumps out at me, first and foremost, credit where credit is due. St. John's obviously on a hell of a run. But they have 22 games in the books already Mm -hmm. in a 32-game schedule. So they're on the home stretch. Yeah, usually St. John's considered the the rainy spot in the province, and and, uh, they managed to get another couple in on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. The Charlottetown Islanders, 5-13, and 13, still, listen to this, folks, runs four, 27 runs four in 18 games. Come on. Well, in the two games they played in St. John this week, they got beat 4 nothing in 6-1. I know. And I think they had two hits in one and three hits in the other. Crazy. Yeah. 27 runs four, 78 runs against. Again, folks, the Chatham Senior Ironman are 8-10. and 10. They are seven games off pace behind the St. John Alpines. So the Alpines have a one point, I looked it up today, Patty, 1.48 earn run average as a team. Wow. Okay. But if you looked at it, and I looked at Chatham, Chatham's at 4.48, Patty, or 3.8, 4.38. And here Charlottetown has allowed less runs than them. So they're probably about four, mm-hmm. averaging four runs a game, and uh, still find themselves with just five wins after 18 games. Some gaudy statistics from the St. John Alpines pitching staff. Andrew Case is 6-1 and one with a paltry 238 ERA. Jimmy Jensen is 5-0, and oh, Jerry, 146 yeah. ERA. Pete Gailey, 5-2, and two, 1.14 ERA. So the machine continues to roll in the Port City. You know what I found interesting about my perusal through the statistics of which I like to do? <laughs> and uh, he wasn't at the game Saturday night in which Chatham won 12-8 to over Fredericton. Mm-hmm. Is one Corey Wood. Mm-hmm. Corey Wood does not qualify as a leader in batting average because he doesn't have 43 plate appearances. He only has 37, but he leads the league in home runs and in RBI. Yeah, Corey Wood does have 11 games in, but not not enough plate appearances. Mm -hmm. But leads the league in RBIs with 18 and home runs with six. But here Dave Crosman comes, and you were were there, and three home runs – now puts him uh, three home runs and six RBIs, really pumped up his statistics from uh, going from no home runs to three. And so he took that role on for Corey Wood on that particular night. May I have the floor for a moment? Yeah. At the end of the game, I made comment, and I said, three home runs from one guy, six RBI. When's the last time you've seen that? Mm. And one of our colleagues said, geez, all the time. And I'm like, think about that now. Three home runs. 
when's the last time no. you have witnessed three home runs from one person in yeah. one game? Yeah. I mean, it's forever ago, if ever at all. Yes. So it, it's a rarity. And uh, you know what? It was a very, I don't want to say it was a quiet three home runs. I mean, I'm fully conscious he was doing it, but it didn't seem like... It was a three-home run game. Well, yeah, the big lead made you, right. you know, you're not as sensitive to what's going on sure, as much. that's fair. Yes, Very fair. absolutely. All right, so let's dissect the Chatham Senior Ironman lineup. You've already gone down the Robert Gallant rabbit hole. He leads the way with a 446 average, 25 hits, 56 at-bats. So he's leading the way there, Jerry. But, uh, of course, the other note that doesn't appear in any of these statistics is Robert's defensive play, which has been equally as off the charts to this point in time. Yeah, and when he hits the ball, he's got one home run and 15 RBI, but he gets on base. He steals bases. He'll take a take a pitch in the ribs if he has to mm-hmm. and get on. But as you say, defensively, he's been a breath of fresh air because for a couple of seasons, the, the Ironman had difficulty at the shortstop spot. Chris Keating tried his hand. Chris is definitely a third baseman. No question. And pulled up his socks and was asked to play that role last mm-hmm. year as a shortstop. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was comfortable there. He's much more comfortable at third. And he and... You know, Robert Gallant on that on that left side is uh, is is quite a tool for for the coaching staff to have there for sure defense and sure hands. Other regulars, as you mentioned, Keating three sixty seven, um, Nolan Levi is batting three twenty seven, and as far as the uh, pitching statistics for the Chatham Senior Ironman, uh, Shane Courtney is three and one. Rept uh, Phaser is two and one. Zach Newman is two and zero. Oh. Zach uh, bides his time between both the Chatham Junior Ironman and the Chatham Senior Ironman. He's been a breath of fresh air, Jerry. And uh, Ian Hardman is the new import. Uh, a rough little run thus far. A little rough welcome to the New Brunswick Senior Baseball League. Indeed. 0-3 right now with a 9.69 ERA. And by all accounts, reports were good last night, but the rainout didn't help him, and they went to Courtney uh, after the rain delay was over rather than uh, refire Hardman back up. But uh, he'll get things in check for sure. He's a big body, Jerry. Holy smokes, we were... <laughs> doing some work on the field there on Saturday pass and getting the tarp on and off, and uh, he's a big boy. Well, the one thing that, um, you know, like you like to say, it's good to see old friends again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice to have Jamie Walls back on the mound, and now oh, he pitched come on. He pitched Thursday night uh, versus Moncton and went uh, toe-to-toe with their import Steven Johnson. Yep. Great game, 3-3, uh, going to extra innings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 2-2. Uh, it Moncton was one scores. nothing, one one two one two two, and then an extra innings. Moncton scores in the top of the seventh. The Ironmen score in the bottom of the seventh. And yeah. This is something I wanted to talk to you about. Bottom of the seventh, um, the Ironmen get the run to take the lead. Now have the bases loaded with nobody out. Right, and a, a play that's been being debated and can be debated. But there was another aspect of this play that maybe we don't take into account as well. Uh, Jamie had a great performance. Uh, and uh, through hard, through consistent. I mean, Jamie, since uh, since uh, arriving, just two base on balls all season long, Patty. Now he's got four games under his belt, 16 innings pitched. So the, picture this now. Bases are loaded. Nobody out. Robert Gallant is at the plate. Best hitter on the Ironman squad this season. Top five in the league. Absolutely. Now, if you remember, Patty, Mike McKay is on third base. Correct. Pass ball will score him. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's got to be ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe a slight lead. The pitch comes into Gallant. And if you remember, Patty, it was a rocket on a line yep. to right field. Yep. I think everybody was watching it. Yep. Including maybe Mark Noel and maybe Mike McKay. Right. Okay. 
So then McKay maybe wanders a couple feet further off, uh, just as quickly as he dove to catch this rocket to right field, he was back up on his feet and throwing the ball in mm-hmm. as quickly as he got it. So everybody kept saying after the game, well, geez, well, you're supposed to tag and score on that play. In hindsight, McKay anticipating maybe a pass ball at the same time. Well, that, that, that's... And the velocity of the way that ball went to right field. And there's a slight delay mentally for everybody, I think, to sure. see what was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. But just as quickly as it got out there, it came back in again. I think the biggest part of that play was the fact that McKay is anticipating that pass ball to score End of game. And has to be ready. Has to be ready. Can't be standing on the back. No. No. I, I don't think it was a mental error. I think he was anticipating the pass ball. Gallant slashes one. Guy makes a hell of a play and comes up throwing, as you say, and it doesn't work out for the Ironman. Two things of that. Is it a missed opportunity? Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. I, I, I can't disagree with that, although I would have a conversation about it. The other thing is Mike McKay is a beauty. Yep. He's a student of the game. Yep. And if anyone could perhaps see the air in his way, it is Mike McKay. And that's why I brought it up. I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm giving uh, another perspective on what's yep. going through because it happened really well, fast. If, if and I, it, and if it was I the hear, first out. It's, it's situational. I agree with you. Yes. Um, it happened so fast. And <laughs> you think for a second, the way that ball was hit, you want you want to watch it for a second. Absolutely. And it got out there in a second. Sure. And it was right back in again. But then still, bases were loaded with two more opportunities, and they don't cash in. Moncton scores three in the top of the uh, of the eighth and come away with a victory. And interestingly enough, Moncton's won four of five games. Friggin' Fisher Cats. Again, yes. they're in my head. On the other hand, we've beat Fredericton all three times we've played them this year. The Ironman, that is. I'm mm-hmm. not we. They. <laughs> the Ironman. Beat the uh, Royals three times a season in the three meetings they've met. The Royals, conversely, have beaten the Fisher Cats four straight times in the four meetings they've met. Yeah, so what do you call that? League parody. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, a couple of footnotes uh, before we uh, dissect the uh, upcoming schedule and the list of games for the Chatham Senior Ironman. Prior to the start of the game, John Saunders is the latest 2019 honor roll inductee. And a more deserving guy, Jerry, you will agree. Absolutely. Yeah. You you could not find. I mean, John deserves to be there statistically. Yeah. He deserves to be there emotionally. He gave 16 hard years of his uh, life to all things Ironman. But the interesting thing, if I may be so bold as to say this, and I mean, and i got to be careful here and choose my wording appropriately, I mean absolutely zero disrespect to anyone who was on the wall before John Saunders. But, and I wish you were there. But this one was different in the sense that John is a modern era player, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. John resonates with the younger generation. He's my age. He's only 43. So for the last 16 years, he's late 20s through his 30s. So he resonates with that generation who are still coming to the games and who are now coming to the games with their own children. And it was the strangest thing. And you've seen enough of these uh, ceremonies over the years. John, as he's working his way to left field for the the photo opportunity, the gripping grin, as they say. John's <laughs> yeah. uh, shaking hands, you know, with the Royals, which is yeah. obviously a show of respect. But more importantly, the fans are coming to field level to to shake his hand. And then when he's trying to get off the field down the right field line where they exit, John's shaking hands and taking photos. So uh, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here other than to say it's an acknowledgement of the fact that John resonated both on and off the field and I could not be happier for John, both as a fan of the Ironman and as a good friend of John. The other thing, too, and uh, God knows I throw enough shit at the Fredericton Royals. It's all in good fun. It's all in good nature. But Dave Barr, 
who is a beauty, and Mike Lint, another uh, good guy who's yeah. been around for a long time, present John with a Fredericton Royals jersey with number 44 on it and a beautiful wooden bat signed by both present-day Royals that John has played with or against, but also some from years past that John has played with or against. Mm, and Goodness. You know, you just kind of mm-hmm. go, you know what? And it's easy to get caught up in, oh, I hate Fredrickson, and Fredrickson hates Chatham, and we don't like the Monk and Fisher Cats, and blah, 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 blah. I do it. It's all in good fun. But you know what? At the end of the day, you can hate each other for the seven innings you're playing, but you can love each other in the parking lot, as they say. And I just thought that was a show of ultimate class and respect. And believe me, the fans certainly appreciated seeing it go down, if you know Have what I'm you saying. Have you ever seen it before? No. That's no. what I'm saying. This one was different. This was very different. And again, with no disrespect to anyone who's on that uh, honor roll, all great longtime Ironmen who deserve to be there. But this one just seemed to have resonated with everyone, and uh, it was awesome to see. It's shocked, no, not shocked me, but surprised me or in, enlightened me a little bit on that he played 16 seasons. 16 seasons. Yeah. 16 summers. Here, here's another one for you. And he's uh, not a teacher. No, and here, here's another one for you. Uh, John played two years in the Nova Scotia Senior Baseball yeah. League with uh, the Truro Bearcats. So he's played baseball for 18 years at the highest level one can here in Atlantic Canada. And I mean that as not a teacher because the teachers have the summer off. No, absolutely. And there's always been right. a blend of teachers within management or coaching or whatever the case may be with mm-hmm. the Ironman, and which allows you to have the freedom to play senior baseball all summer. John had a, you know, nine to five job plus played for 16 seasons and crouching down behind that, yeah. that, that plate. And, uh, well, God bless. And here's the other one. I forget the number, Jerry, but it's, it's high and it's a gaudy number every August, you know, for probably, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Well, John you knew them off here the other day when you had him on, on your, John knew where he show. was going, whether it was with the yeah. Ironman or as a pickup with another team, be it the Moncton Mets back in the day, uh, the Fredericton Royals. Um, he tells uh, he told us a story the other day. Uh, I think I misspoke there when I said Moncton Mets. Uh, they invited him one time, but he had a family wedding and couldn't commit. And they won. And they won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that works out. But anyways, I will put a cap on that. John Saunders, number 44. Okay, so it's the it's a great start to the night. Um a lot of great work was done to get the field prep to begin with. Yes. and Front row seat for that. Ironman come out and score nine in an inning. When was the last time you saw that? Well, look at, uh, I don't know when the last time I saw it, but this Runyon, Ben Runyon is his name, the import. We saw him once before. Yeah. This big guy, tall he, lad, right? Yeah, big yeah. tall lanky lad. Yeah. Um, his ERA right now is gaudy at 17.77. <laughs> you know what, Jerry? Just got into, a, got into a jam and the wheels came off it. Nolan Levi comes up and rips a grand slam. Uh, the catcher gets tossed for arguing balls and strikes. Mm-hmm. And it was a very quiet tossing. He just kind of saunters over to the dugout and you're like, what the hell's going on here? And you're right. like, uh oh, he got tossed. Uh, so it was kind of a bizarre start to the game. So you're up 9 nothing, and you win the game. 12-8, so it was, it was back and forth, and it was a bit tense there by time, Well, two. I have a little bit of insider on that. Oh, my. So uh, the batter before... You weren't even there, and you have an insider. Yeah, I, I was this. talking to some uh, Your, umpiring crew today. Okay. And uh, the pitcher, the batter before, I think, would have been Watkin, probably, Jeff Watkin, mm-hmm. and uh, called ball four on a pitch that Kavanaugh, the catcher uh, for Fredericton, uh, thought was right there. He and Miles Brito thought he had pulled it up. 
So they had a little chat about that. And words were exchanged and everybody calmed down. And then next batter, with the bases loaded, Levi hits it out. And Kavanaugh says, that's on you, blah, 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 bleep, bleep, bleep. And soon as you, is it true, and I'm pretty sure it is, as soon as you swear at the umpire, you're gone, aren't you? Oh, if I would. If the F-bomb is dropped. I would say so. Yes, and I think that's what happened there. Yeah. He let it all fly, and then and Miles said, see you later. And, and you know what? As I look in my mind's eye, Frederick and on a Saturday night had a very light lineup. There yes, wasn't, they did. There wasn't a whole lot of bodies on the bench, so they were behind the eight ball in inning number one. Well, I thought I read, uh, did Sean Reed come in and play, was catching? I think you're right. I think it was. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Anyways, Runyon, it's been a tough year for yeah. imports. <laughs> it's been a tough <laughs> in year. In the New Senior Baseball League <laughs> as they continue to uh, find uh, their way. And speaking of imports, uh, ex-import for the Ironman, Jack Kraft, now a member of the Charlottetown Islanders. I don't know if we addressed that uh, the last time, but that's where he is right now. Yes, we did. But, you know, um, I'm uh, uh, scared or impressed, so you can use them both together in what, you know, is going on in St. John with their pitching staff. Now, Pete Gailey the other night had a one-hitter against uh, a Charlottetown. And now with, you know, 49 innings pitch, Patty, he leads the league in strikeouts with 70 and an ERA of 1.14. So he's kind of outshining, if you mm. will. And this is, what, his second year now in the in mm-hmm. New Brunswick Senior Baseball League? Mm-hmm. Andrew Case, you know, uh, compare the numbers, 46 strikeouts. Here, Gailey's got 70. I know. 70 strikeouts, Patty, in 49 innings. Crazy. And Case at 2.38. And then Sean O'Toole got a complete game the other night and got the shutout against uh, a Charlottetown. So they really have got a wealth of arms in the Port City, and it's uh, proving to uh, certainly vault them to the top of the standings at 17-5. and five. I'm, I don't mean to undermine Gailey's one-hit performance, but judging on the Islanders' statistics, yes. it appears as though you – Kutase, one hitter towards the Islanders' way. <laughs> yes, it has been uh, it has been starving thus thus far for offense in uh, Charlottetown. All right, here we go with a uh, schedule uh, breakdown. This coming Thursday, which is the 18th on your calendar, the Ironmen are home to the Moncton Fisher Cats again at 7:30. That is the annual Irish Festival game, if you will. And then, of course, uh, typical. Uh, Chatham Ironman scheduling, and I love everything about this. You'll notice they don't play another game through the weekend. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's Irish Festival yeah, it's weekend, Irish and the boys are going on the on the tear. Uh, look at the. Uh, we'll get back to the Chatham schedule in a moment. Look at uh, Saturday and Sunday schedule. Mm-hmm. Fredericton is in Charlottetown, not once, not twice, but four times. A pair of back to back. Double headers. Yikes. Yeah, hands on deck. All hands on deck. You got to figure the old bullpen will take a beating on that one. So Chatham plays on the 18th against Moncton, and then are off until the following Sunday of the 22nd. Charlottetown is in town for, excuse me, the 27th. Pardon me, the 27th. Charlottetown is in town for a 4 p.m. Saturday doubleheader. Well, interesting, Patty, that Fredericton would go over there for two days. And play two doubleheaders. And from what I can see, it's not makeup. They must have both agreed that that's what they were going to do on that particular weekend. Because uh, I'm looking at the schedule. And you know when they highlight games yeah. that have been moved from one date to another? Yeah. And these ones aren't. So they, they plan that from the get-go. It's interesting that they uh, they both lock those two up. Here's a shot in the dark. Yeah. Maybe it's a family getaway, so to speak. They're yeah. building it as such. Good one. Yeah. You know, yeah, go to sure. Charlottetown. Kids hit the beach while the Tourism, boys are number one industry. Kids hit the beach while the, the ki- while the boys yes. are playing baseball. Sure, or they're out turning laps at Sandspit in the old go karts or whatever. Yep. Both of them have game ones at two p.m. Right, you know, 
So you get the evening to yourself. Headlong into the cow's ice cream. Is that your go-to when you're on the island? You go for a little scoop of cows? <laughs> you have to have cow's ice cream. You, you just wasted your time All right, another going little, to the island. Another little local baseball footnote here that's of note. we got to enter into the record here. Uh, we just lamented about Johnny Saunders being inducted to the Chatham Senior Ironman Honor Roll. Mike Dunnett is being honored this coming Wednesday evening. Uh, by the Miramichi Cardinals, formerly the Newcastle Cardinals, in a game against the Chatham Head Tigers. And, Memorial Field? Uh, no, up at uh, Cardinal Park. Ah. I know. Put the fly dope on. And also, uh, a little bit before uh, my time, Jerry, uh, the other gentleman that is being uh, inducted is Pat Pick Chambers, who played for the Cardinals over three decades through the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, the assist on this one goes to Art Gremley. He provided me with uh, some stats. My annual contribution is I go and work the microphone during uh, these induction ceremonies. But I was tasked with uh, compiling uh, some information on uh, Michael. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. And it's easy to perhaps have overlooked this over the years. You know, I would say, and uh, please, uh, this is a topic of conversation, but in my mind, and this is one man's opinion, that being me in this case, before I dove down the Mike Dunner rabbit hole here and got his whole background as to where he went and where the, where the road of life and where the road of baseball took him, to me, Mike Dunnett, and this is a very pedestrian look at Mike Dunnett. Mike Dunnett is one of the best, if not the best, ball players that Miramichi has produced. He's in the top three. All round. All round. Yeah. He is in the top three, hands down. Uh, to me, you want to go down that rabbit hole real quickly? Mm-hmm. In my time, to me, I go with Dunnett, Jenkins, and David Godfrey on any given day, in any given combination, in any given circumstance. They were three guys who could go three for four in the first game of a doubleheader, and then pitch the second one or vice versa and make great defensive plays, put the bat on the ball. David Godfrey pitched? Holy mercy! Am I missing something? Jesus. I don't remember. Yes. Well, I remember Jenkins and Dunnett for sure, but David Godfrey pitched. Oh, my God. Jesus, I don't remember that. You may never be allowed. Oh, shush. It's the 70s. You may never be it's allowed. the 70s flashing back on me here. <laughs> having a relapse. My memory's gone. Yeah, Godfrey was oh, a beauty. But anyway, so you David. know what? That maybe is a conversation we can have sometime. You know, when you reflect upon the honor roll at Ironman Field and look mm-hmm. back at some of the great Cardinal players or some of the great Tigers players or anybody who played in the Miramichi Valley Baseball League, so many names. I'm only going with my relative era. Um, you know, I, I remember the Cuffy McLaughlins. I remember the Billy Dailies, the Art Leggetts, the, the so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um but, but not as well as these guys. So can I hit you with some uh, numbers here on Michael? Looking forward to it. And again, uh, as best we can extrapolate, here is his numbers as a senior Cardinal. Now, again, you'll recall once the Cardinals collapsed, Mike put in a couple of seasons with the Ironman, but this is Cardinal specific. Uh, 1,051 at-bats, 334 hits, 34 dingers, 73 doubles, 2 triples, 208 RBI, 246 runs scored, 12 stolen bases, a career average of 318. It was an all-star in 99 and 02, and a national champion in 95 with the Ironman. You had a front-row seat for that. Mm-hmm. You remember him coming in. Mm-hmm. And 01 with uh, St. John. Now, you're ready for this, and perhaps you have forgotten this, and I wasn't there, and you were. 1995 at the tournament in Chatham, Mike was named MVP. Mm-hmm. Top defensive player, mm-hmm. a tournament all-star. Yeah. At the 01 championship, which is six years later, in Kenville, as I recall, he was named top hitter and tournament all-star. So just some gaudy numbers. And Mike was like, like a John Saunders, like a Matty Jenkins, like a Jody Peterson. Whatever team was going to the Nationals 
you can rest assured the phone was ringing. Yeah, and I don't know if they had to use Mike for pitching in 95. I can't recall because, of course, you stocked up on arms. Holder, holder now. Don't, don't now. Don't now. He came in and relieved Burns in, that, in the gold medal game. Relief. Okay, yes. Okay, gotcha. Yes, good one. You don't again. remember that? Well, it's, again, the memory. <laughs> you remember it one way, I remember it another. Isn't that your line? Yeah. All right. So, the guy with the worst memory ever. Just, uh, just another couple of footnotes with Mike Dunnett here. And uh, I, I'm re- I've really been uh, enlightened here when I went down the Mike Dunnett rabbit hole. Mike uh, is a member of the Community College Rhode Island Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Rhode Island Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. City of Miramichi Sports Wall of Fame, deservedly so. New Brunswick Baseball Hall of Fame with both the 95 Ironman and the 01 Alpines. Uh, he also starred with the University of Alabama. I went down and see this little, I have the uh, media guide for 20, 2019. <laughs> Mike's name still appears in some of their offensive leader categories. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, he was named all great Midwest Conference first and second team all-star in 93 and 95, respectively. NCAA all-tournament team in 93. And uh, won a championship playing some pro ball over in France. So I'm not so sure most people know that or perhaps maybe have forgotten it. But it was a very enlightening exercise here as I prepared a few notes here for the induction ceremony. Good golfer, too. Wednesday evening. What? Good golfer, too. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. And he was a goalie in hockey? Oh, yeah. Him and Mark loved to play golf. Yeah, him and his twin brother Mark loved to play golf. Am I right? Or Mike played for the Packers, too? Mike played for the Packers. Yeah. Yes. So Mark and Mike are good golfers, too. And Mark played for the Packers. Yeah, Mark was a dandy hockey player. You know, just two of those guys that shit comes easy to Mm -hmm. them. Drive you and I nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Tony Wormel's in that conversation, too. Tony, everything Tony touches just turns to gold. Awful. All right. So uh, congratulations again to John Saunders, uh, Chatham Senior Ironman, Honor Roll, and Mike Dunnett, and Pat Pick Chambers will be honored this year for the Miramichi Cardinals, formerly the Newcastle Cardinals. And by the way, not to go down this rabbit hole and create a, a wave of controversy, but why not leave it as Newcastle Cardinals? Why, why, why make the move to Miramichi Cardinals? But that's not for are they going to decide. To? No, they are the Miramichi Cardinals. Oh, they are? Yeah. Oh. Well, I always thought it was still Newcastle. I mean, I'm not listening, listening that closely, but I always thought it was the Newcastle Cardinals. In the Miramichi Valley Baseball League. Miramichi they're Cardinals. They're called the Miramichi Cardinals. Yes. Oh, okay. You're hearing that for the first time? Well, I again, I, in the Miramichi Valley Baseball League, I assumed it was the Newcastle Cardinals, Chatham and Tigers. You know, and and I'm totally okay with it being the Newcastle Cardinals for the same reason I'm totally okay with it being the Chatham Ironman, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean. Yeah. I, you know, it is what it is, and I would make the case too. And I, I realize the Fisher Cats name is born of two collapsed teams, the Mets and the former Hub City Brewers. Right. But let's just call it what it is. Let's go with the history. Yeah. I, uh, I I appeal to the historical basis of these teams. It's okay to be Chatham. It's okay to be Newcastle, and please be the Moncton Mets. So then, way back. I don't know if it was podcast three, four, whatever it was. And we were prepping for the New Brunswick Senior Baseball League to start, let's say, early May. Because usually the season starts in the long weekend of May. Isn't that correct? Correct. Okay. And what we looked at on paper, what we assumed or hoped was going to happen for all teams, and more specifically the, the Chatham Ironman, would you say we're a far cry from what we thought we would be? Oh, boys. In regards to schedule, I mean, not schedule, but record. Not nip, not picking a game apart games or anything, but I certainly didn't think they're going to be 8 and 10 at this point. I'll answer that two ways. I agree with you. I didn't think we'd be 8 and 10 at this point in time. Uh, there was much pomp and circumstance about Jack Kraft's rearrival. Sure. 
Uh, Phaser had come recommended and continues to pitch well for the Ironman. Sure. Uh, then, of course, you have in your mind's eye Gallant coming back. Keating, as you had mentioned, is back to his normal spot at third. Levi, Cook, Yeah, but I have no Watkin. problem with the offense or the defense. No, no, but listen to me. Okay. So I, I'm just painting a picture here. Right. Allow me some room. Yeah. So on paper, you're like, okay, there's cause for excitement here. However, I'm fully conscious, I think, uh, the time we had Noel in, Mark, that is, that they were going to treat the regular season leading up to the Nationals in August very much as a tune-up for the impending Nationals and the subsequent playoffs. Sure, so point I, I think it's about getting at-bats. I think it's about getting arms into games. Um, but again, uh, look at uh, by that same token, would you and I have guessed that St. John would be 17 and five at this point in time? I'm not so sure. Uh, From what we knew about Fredericton, you know, who now sit at six and seven, only played 13 games, right. so far less than anybody else in the league. And their uncertainty with any imports and or returning players. Right. Uh, Moncton standing pat, not doing anything. Different, but Steven Johnson is a great import. So is uh, Van Oy. Van Oy is a great import as well. Sure. And they've had their seasoning now. They have one season under their belt in this league and know what to expect. I still thought from the appearance on paper that the Ironman maybe would be more like a 12 and 6 rather than a 10 and 8. We can pick through some of the games where maybe they should have. Or 8 and 10, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, 18 games, I was thinking more like a 12 and 6, rather. And, you know, maybe St. John was going to be still only there, five losses and so forth. But I just, uh, I, I, I guess I expect a little bit more consistency. Because if you look at it, very rarely do they win two in a row. And if they do win two in a row, then they might lose two in a row. Right. So it's always a, a little bit of a give and take. I'm, I'm looking for a little bit of a streak is what I'm looking for. A little bit up and down, a little feast yeah. or famine. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, we move on from the New Brunswick Senior Baseball League. Just a quick plug as well, folks. The Nationals are coming up in the month of August. Get your tournament pass and get there. You can pick them up at uh, Family Convenience on Wellington Street or at any home game for the Ironman. A little footnote, too, if I may. Stop by the field mid-Saturday afternoon after the rain. And it was still iffy as to whether they were going to get the game in. Yes, big time. The amount of work, Uh, whether they're volunteers, whether they're a city of Miramichi or whatever city is being worked on or whatever team's field is being worked on, whatever city they play in, or they're summer students, the amount of work that goes into getting a field ready for game play is unbelievable, and I just thought I'd acknowledge it because I had a front-row seat for it on Saturday having grabbed a rake and gotten a hold of that tarp and put it on and then subsequently took it off. A lot you of work, had Jerry, your hands on the tarp? A lot of work. Yes, I did. A lot of work goes into it, and I just think it's important to acknowledge the efforts. And uh, I think it was Dave Barr. You know how the uh, teams uh, shake hands at the end of a game? I think mm-hmm. Dave Barr, and Dave's a pure gentleman, hell of a ball player, classy act. I think it was him, best I can recall, that said, hey, as he's shaking hands with the guys, Thanks for uh, getting the field ready for us to play. And I thought, you know what? That's a classy thing to say because he's been around the wire a few times. He knows damn well how much effort did go into get that field well, ready. Well, they know how many games they've had washed out. Yeah. As I say, they only have 13 games under their belt where you know, the next closest, um, Moncton was 17 and then the St. John with 22. But I know when you said you were going to the ball field, I said, huh. It's going to rain later. It's yep. you know it's been it's been it started raining Thursday night after the game with Moncton and then stopped and then started to rain all day on Friday. Mm-hmm. But you could see the determination in the organization and or the city wanting to get that particular game in 
for the honor wall, the wall of uh, the um, honor roll, the honor roll uh, presentation on a Saturday night. And I can't imagine what kind of work goes into trying to squeegee water out of dirt or squeegee water away from grass. I don't know how that's done. I should have come and, and maybe <laughs> took well, a took a turn. But you say should have come. You were invited not once but twice. Well, absolutely. And but life gets in the way. I'm going to enlighten you. You would assume there is some squeegeeing going on. There is none. There's no squeegeeing. No, you, you, you. There's got to be puddles. You rake like a son of a gun, and you rake some more, and then you rake You're yet again. You're raking water. And then they bring out uh, the uh, John Deere gator, I think it's called, and they go down uh, like a third or an eighth of an inch. I don't know, Jerry. Uh, but there was puddles, yes? Listen to me now. So you spread it around. You you, you turn it over. So the, by turning it over, you hopes it dries out. And then down the right field line, there's a mound of dirt. The boys bring in some more dirt. You spread that dirt around. And uh, you get her. Uh, Joe Did, Brennan uh, was there. And Joe remembers uh, the days when they threw hay on the field and burned it off. Mm, or <laughs> I gas. Said, well, I said, we better not uh, go down that road yet here. <laughs> Did you have work gloves? Uh, no, I got a few calluses, too. There. <laughs> you got soft hands. And, and the other one, too, that was a topic of Ironman Field conversation. And uh, God knows he dishes enough shit out, so he had to take some of it on Saturday evening. Uh, but Bearcat and Bose were in charge of lining the field after all the work was done. <laughs> yeah. And you should have seen the lines they threw down. Holy shit. They were unbelievable. Precision? No, no. The, quite the opposite. <laughs> It was, I think Bearcat, when he was lining the fields, was running away from an alligator going left and right. They were, they were far from straight. But there is a whole story there. The, the, the regular machine calved out on them, so they had to go to the B machine. And by the time it was time to line the field, you're like, just get them down and let's get this game going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We had put three, four, five hours into it. The other thing, too, and it's easy for folks to judge. And maybe there's a game after a light rain that is canceled in May, June, early July. And they say, well, why in the hell didn't they put the, the tarp down? Here we go. Let me tell you. I want to know. And, and maybe I might have been that guy at some point in time. You were. And you just say, hey, put the tarp on, boys. For God's sakes, it's there. Use it. Mm-hmm. What a job to get the tarp unfurled on the field and then roll back up and put back away. Well, I told And the then st- let, me, let me finish. After it rains on said tarp, the weight mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Was it true that the tarp wasn't on on Friday? Oh, 100%. Okay. And you know why? It was well, explained I've, I, I to you didn't why, know why, I but explained, I, I've been enlightened as to why. I, I explained to somebody on Saturday. I said, well, don't they have a tarp? I said, well, yes, but you cannot put the tarp down if the grass is wet. And so the grass got wet Thursday night with an unexpected shower. and There was puddles and showers on, on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And so you probably... We're trying to see if it was going to get dried out on Friday morning and then where more rain came. You cannot put the tarp on wet grass because it'll just ruin it. Because then you have, now, the, you have the heat be generated. Well, that's the way it was explained to me. Well, hold it here, groundskeeper, Willie. Is this from your science or this was explained to you? This was explained to me. Okay. You can't put the tarp down on wet grass. Okay. Can I, can I tell you something else that I learned? Sure. Uh, conversely, you can't put the tarp down... As we look out our windows here as we record, with direct sun or high humidity because you'll scorch the earth, so to speak, underneath it. Unless you have the people power to get it off when it swings back to sunlight. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's a very delicate... It's very... It's, it's, yeah, it's a science. It's a very delicate science. Yeah. And, and, and it's not Fenway. And it's not Dodger Stadium. Right. And it's not Shea Stadium or whatever they call it now. What do they call yeah, it Yeah, you cannot be preventive... 
with the tarp thinking, well, it's going to rain. Right. We better get the tarp down. And to get the tarp on and off, yeah. I mean, we were a few volunteers and a few city employees, but everyone on the team chipped in. Like, it's a, it's a oh, Jerry, it had to be a 15 to 20-person job. I remember. No question. One game. It was last season. Mm-hmm. And I'll call them out on it because they, they, they didn't help. The Ironman and the Fish Cats were playing. Woo. And Moncton didn't want to help. Chatham, roll up or so roll out the to, tarp. To paint you a picture, I know. So to paint a picture, third or fourth inning, it starts right now. This is all coming back to me now. Yeah. And then Munkin doesn't k- pitch in. Doesn't pitch in, push, taking it on or putting it off. That's bush. Yeah. Wow. And oh. you know if it's in Moncton, the Ironmen are helping. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We were going to roll some Seinfeld clips, and we we're going to get to Jerry's hat trick here. Do you want to do both, or are we tabling one to the next? Now, the Seinfeld clips are based on... Sports. Baseball. Okay. Okay, good. Okay. So you want to set the table with them? How many you got? Three. Three. Let's so start I'm, with the Hernandez one. Well, the Hernandez. <laughs> I'm not sure which clip you have, whether it's the uh, the spit or, or if it's the... Yeah. Is it the spit? We're going with the... the magic loogie? Yeah, the, the magic yeah. loogie. Now, just a little background here, and this is not uh, a left turn here. This is very much in line with the podcast. Of course, we're talking sports. We're going to one of our all-time great shows, but... Jerry, for those who don't know, is a complete and utter Seinfeld mm. nerd. I'm not a well, you nerd. are. You are. I'm a connoisseur. A connoisseur. All right. Yeah. So, paint a picture here in the Hernandez one. Well, it's the 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 uh, the the genius of the Seinfeld show to have Kramer and Newman go to a Mets game and incorporate that into the RF uh, JFK. Uh, assassination right. while he's driving down Dealey Plaza and right. the bullet from the 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 library, whatever it is, the book depository. Yeah, and, and yeah. L- l- let's us not forget that when this show originally aired, the Oliver Stone movie is running right, hot. Exactly. Right. That was the uh, that was the <laughs> what's the big tie-in. And it is a priceless bit of uh, writing of which Jerry Seinfeld does in one take. All right, and before see there see you're denying your nerdery. So you know that because you had the DVD collection. Absolutely. That was done in one take. One take. Come on. One take. Wow. Yeah. Before we roll the clip, do you remember who the second spitter was? Um Oh my god. Yes, uh McDowell, Roger. <laughs> All right, here's that clip. June 14th, 1987. Mets, Phillies, were enjoying a beautiful afternoon in the right field stands when a crucial Hernandez error opens the door to a five-run Phillies ninth, cost the Mets the game. Our day was ruined. <laughs> there was a lot of people, you know, they're waiting by the players' parking lot. Now, we're coming down the ramp. Newman was in front of me. Hernandez was coming toward us. As he passes us, Newman turns and says, Nice game, pretty boy. (laughs) Hernandez continued past us up the ramp. Then, a second later, something happened that changed us in a very deep and profound way from that day forward. It wasn't. He spit on us. (laughs) And I screamed out, I'm hit! and the spit ricocheted off him, and it hit me. Wow. What a story. Unfortunately, the immutable laws of physics contradict the whole premise of your account. Allow me to reconstruct this, if I may, for Miss Bennis, as I've heard this story a number of times. Newman, Kramer, if you'll indulge me. 
According to your story, Hernandez passes you and starts walking up the ramp. Mm -hmm. Then you say you were struck on the right temple. The spit then proceeds to ricochet off the temple, striking Newman between the third and the fourth rib. The spit then came off the rib, made a right turn, hitting Newman in the right wrist, causing him to drop his baseball cap. The spit then splashed off the wrist, pauses in midair, mind you, makes a left turn, and lands on Newman's left thigh. That is one magic loogie. Well, that's the way it happened. What happened to your head when you got hit? Well, uh, uh, my head went back to the left. Say that again. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. So, what are you saying? I'm saying that the spit could not have come from behind. That there had to have been a second spitter. Behind the bushes on the gravelly road. The spitter was behind you as you claim, that would have caused your head to pitch forward. So the spit could have only come from the front and to the right. But that's not what they would have you believe. I'm leaving. Jerry's a nut. All right, our second clip is uh, another Kramer classic moment where he comes back from the New York Yankees fantasy campaign. A picture here. Well, the, the other great line before that is, you know, uh, George going off on the fact that Kramer's at a fantasy camp. Yeah. He said everybody in their life should pay to live like Kramer <laughs> for $2,000 a week. Mooch, mooch food from your neighbors. neighbors. Yeah. Um, fall ass backward into money and have sex without dating. That's a fantasy camp. <laughs> Anyways. So he goes to the Yankees fantasy camp and he's pitching and he owns the inside of that plate and something happens from this. The fantasy guys playing the old Yankee guys and something goes awry with, uh, with the uh, uh, disagreement between the two teams. The camp ended a few days early. <laughs> Why? Uh, well, that was an incident. What happened? I punched Mickey Mantle in the mouth. Yeah, I punched him, and they took him to the hospital, and then they canceled the rest of the week. You punched who in the mouth? Mickey Mouse. <laughs> what happened? Well, you know, we were playing a game, and, uh, you know, I was pitching, and I was really, you know, throwing some smoke. And uh, Joe Pepitone, he was up, and, man, that guy, you know, he was crowding the plate. Wow, Joe Pepitone. Yeah, well, Joe Pepitone or not, I own the inside of that plate. So, you know, I throw one, you know... Inside, you know, a little chin music right on his pants because I got to intimidate, you know, when I'm on the mound. Well, the next pitch, he's right back in the same place. So I had to plunk him. Yeah, plunked him. 
Oh, yeah. Well, he throws down his bat. He comes racing up to the mound. Next thing, both benches are cleared, you know. A brouhaha breaks out between the guys in the camp, you know, and the old Yankee players. And as I'm trying to get Moose Scaron off of one of my teammates, you know, somebody pulls me from behind, you know, and I turned around and I popped him. I looked down and, whoa, man, it's Mickey. <laughs> I punched his lights out. Then Hank Bauer, you know, he's screaming, Mickey, Mickey, what have you done with Mickey? You killed Mickey. So what'd you do? Well, I got the hell out of there. All right, and our third clip is another Kramer moment with Apollo Neal connection and a sickly kid at the local hospital. It was so interesting all through um, a lot of the Seinfeld. Uh, I think it's maybe season six or seven, whatever, mm-hmm. where George becomes an employee of the Yankees. So you're tying the Yankees in. And uh, Buck Showalter was, I guess, the manager back in those days, in those main years of which Seinfeld had incorporated the Yankees, of which Steinbrenner was in the middle of it too. But anyways, so there's this uh, birthday card going around the office, and uh, one of the employees didn't get a chance to sign it, and Kramer takes it and assumes that they want to use it as memorabilia and get money for it. Right. So this young boy who's sick in the hospital is the one who got it was uh, uh, it was bought for him and Kramer's trying to negotiate with him trying to get it back so then George could give it to George Steinbrenner and he promised him that Paul O'Neill would hit a couple of dingers and he goes into the dressing room and gets Paul O'Neill to <laughs> say can you hit a couple of dingers <laughs> what are you talking about it's hard to hit one and you, you've already promised me two. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's a negotiation with the young lad in, in, the, in the hospital, and it starts with a classic line. What if I get Paul O'Neill to hit a home run tomorrow just for you? Really? Paul O'Neill would do that? For you, he would. Could he hit two home runs? Two? Yeah, sure, kid. Yeah, but then you got to promise you'll do something for me. I know. Get out of this bed one day and walk again. Yeah, that would be nice, but I really just need the car. Yeah. Mr. O'Neill? Yeah. Yeah, uh, look, uh, you don't know me. I, I can give you an autograph there, but uh, my pen's kind of screwed up, and you probably only get like half a P or something. No, it's not that. See, uh, it's about a little boy in the hospital. I was wondering if you could do something to lift his spirits. Sure, I can help you there. Yeah, yeah. well, I promised him that you would hit him two home runs today. You what? Yeah, you know, a couple of dingers. You promised a kid in, in the hospital that I'd hit two home runs. Yeah, well, no good? No, it's no good. It's terrible. I mean, you just you don't hit home runs like that. It's hard to hit home runs, and where the heck did you get two from? Well, two is better than one. You just, you just, that's ridiculous. Oh, I, I mean, I'm not a home run hitter. Well, Babe Ruth did it. He did not. Oh, you're saying that Babe Ruth was a liar? I'm not calling him a liar, but he wasn't stupid enough to promise two. Well, maybe I did overextend myself. How the heck did you get in here anyway? <laughs> All right, so three clips there from one of our favorite shows, Seinfeld. And uh, I have said this often, Jerry. I'm sure you will agree. Maybe you have echoed the same sentiment. But I think for people of our generation and those that were there during the Seinfeld years when it was running hot, and it continues to still run hot in syndication and streaming services and DVD collections, I would dare say on any given day, in any given office, in any given town, there is somehow, some way, a Seinfeld reference. Yes. And you see it at your shop. I see it at my uh, shop. I did a Hello Newman today. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Was there a Newman in the building? Well, someone said, hi, Jerry. I said, hello, Newman. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, I got the Jerry part. Eh? Yeah, right. I got the same name. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Round two. It debuted on podcast number 11. We're going to make it an even dozen here on podcast 12. Jerry Santrick. Here we well, go, Jerry. Well, since we're in the baseball mood, and we have been most of this podcast, was the uh, sheer delight and enjoyment oh. of the endurance test 
that the home run derby was. And, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., he has eight home runs and he's in the home run hitting derby or the home run uh, derby. And uh, sure enough, did he put on a show with that smile and that hair and that swing? Because every time that play came near him, he was he was swinging for everything he got or everything he has. And it was sheer entertainment, but Patty, way too long. And uh, unfortunately, the guy who hits the most home runs doesn't win the event if you total them all together. Yeah, a couple yes. of things for me. I don't get excited normally about the home run derby. I'll be honest. Uh, I hear you. However, this one here, I bought into the hype, and uh, I'll yep. paint a picture here. I'm a Giants guy, but if you don't subscribe to any MLB package, be it on your regular cable or some internet streaming service, the Jays are the team that we see most. Yes. We see all 162 games of the Toronto Blue Jays, and it is hard to not buy into the hype of Guerrero Jr., and so there's a natural connection there, so you think, oh, I'm going to watch this. Never in my wildest dreams did you anticipate the way that would wash out. Mm-hmm. Like he cracked 90 plus home runs. 91. Yeah. 91 home runs. And yet, and I understand the head to head aspect, I totally get it. But for the love of God, how does he not be crowned the home run derby champion? I know. You, you would think the other guy would just say, you know what? And I think he beat him by something by a total, like total to total. I think it was fifty-four-ish. Yeah, does that sound about right? Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a huge yeah. margin. Between it was a gaudy number in total for the four. I think there was four rounds. Was there four rounds? Yeah, four rounds. And then overtime and all that stuff. It was just unbelievable. But he, he's the real deal. Uh, yeah. there, there's no question that that guy is going to be a superstar. And hope springs eternal for Jays fans. You're going to have to weather a storm this year. It's not fun to watch. The bullpen is horrifying. No. Uh, but uh, no, I, I can buy into the hype Hopefully of. Hopefully, uh, this is the springboard for him. Got his confidence back, ready to go. Now, the Jays just finished a series with the uh, Yankees, and unfortunately, uh, I don't know why I don't know this. I don't know uh, if he played and how he played. I never saw a game during the weekend, and so I apologize for that. But I don't know if he's carried or he's picked up where he left off, or did the team give him a little break when he came back? I don't know if he was even in the lineup, but um, uh, they fought hard against, against the Yankees, but did fall to the Yankees, but... Um, I just hope it's a springboard for him to uh, for the rest of the season in, 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 with, with a young squad there in, in Toronto and, and get his mojo back, if, if, if that's a term for, for him at this point of the season. Real quickly, before we go on to topic number two, so far, um, uh, Guerrero Jr. is batting 245. He has 58 hits, 13 doubles, 8 dingers, 25 runs batted in, uh, 26 base on balls, 50 strikeouts. He's a swinger, of course, yes. as you well know. Slugging percentage of uh, 401 and an on-base percentage of uh, 321. So, again, he's and a real deal. And that left field porch in, in Cleveland, you really had to get it up. It was a higher wall in left field, so you really had to launch it. Because some of them were getting the, the right-handed or the left-handed batters were getting the, the short porch over in right and where you could just maybe get it over. But, anyways, it was so much fun to watch. And now my question to you is, do you know the, the results of the actual All-Star game that happened the next day? I know the American League won. Now... Someone said to me the other day, and I said, well, geez, I thought the All-Star game dictated who gets home ice advantage in the World Series. Is that not the case anymore? Well, it's not home ice. What did I say? Home oh, ice? Yeah. <laughs> no, look oh. at uh, uh, Jerry. 
Uh, we out ourselves here. I, I thought the same, but that apparently has changed. Well, I and, had and not Kenny recently. Martin and Art Grimley, so I would assume they know. Oh, yeah. Or maybe no, it, was, no. it might even have been Tommy McMillan. I don't uh, know. I said the same thing because I lamented that. I said, holy shit, because I'm a National Leaguer with my Giants. Yeah. I said, the National League gets the short end of the stick in the World Series again. They're like, what do you mean? That That's changed. And I'm like, oh. Okay. My so bad. It so it's true. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is. Now, yeah. the other one, the other local connection to all this is Chris Jardine, Snaggle J, is there. And we're going to have Snaggle on at a future podcast. Folks would know him from the baseball fields. He's an umpire, coaching some rally cap ball this summer. All around good guy. He is there. He is firing me direct tweets going, you're not going to believe this. And he's looking down at Vladdy and the stadium, and then he goes to the All-Star game. He was just on, you want to talk fantasy camps? Mm -hmm. Let's live like Chris Jardine for the mm -hmm. weekend. <laughs> so here's his perspective on that. You want to talk about an insane experience. I mean, the 2019 Home Run Derby will go down in history as, you know, probably the most dramatic, the most intriguing, the most entertaining Home Run Derby uh, we've ever had. I think probably... The most entertaining up until this point might have been the the Josh Hamilton at Yankee Stadium home run derby. Um, it's kind of funny because you know being in Cleveland for a few days in the lead up to the home run derby, there was a lot of talk, you know, locally, and there was a lot of talk online of oh, Vladdy Jr. shouldn't be in the home run derby; he only has eight home runs. I mean, it's a skills competition. It's you know. The whole purpose of the Home Run Derby is to, you know, generate interest and eyeballs on the product and, you know, showcase some of the game's younger, more flamboyant players. I mean, you think back last year to, you know, Bryce Harper, um, you know, coming out in the red, white, and blue. I think that was last year. Yeah, it was because they were in Washington. You know, putting on a show and that's what the Home Run Derby is. It's a skills competition. And I'm sure none of those people who said that Vladdy shouldn't be there are saying that, you know, now. Because holy old hell, he put on one heck of a show. And it's kind of funny because so they go on first, um, him and Matt Chapman, um, who was replacing Christian Yelich. Uh, which, by the way, the Christian Yelich replacement did get a few uh, boos around Progressive Field. Um, so Vladdy goes out. And he hits the timeout with uh, just over two minutes left and 12 home runs. And then he comes out and he goes yard. And then he goes yard again. And then he goes yard again. And next thing you know, the crowd is starting to like, you see pockets of people starting to stand up. And all of a sudden you look around the 35,000 seats at Progressive Field. And as Vladdy got to about 21, nobody in the place was sitting everybody was up and cheering this guy and you know then he hit 24 and then you know the the 30 second bonus next thing you know he hits 29 and, he, and then he hits one that everybody thinks is going to be 30 and from my perspective on the first base side kind of on like the third baseline extended he hit that last one and i thought for sure it was going to be 30 like everyone in the stadium thought it was gone and ends up falling short, so he hits the 29. So you got to put yourself in Matt Chapman's shoes. I mean, he's sitting there. Vladdy Jr. puts up a 29 spot, and you're like, well, fuck me, right? Like, <laughs> you're not coming back from down 29. And he didn't. So then, you know, 
the later in the first round, you have Carlos Santana, obviously hometown favorite, huge, massive standing ovation for Carlos. And then he gets beat by Pete Alonso, who gets booed out of the joint. Like, I'm talking, like, this is Churro Bearcats at the Civic Center levels of, of booing here um, for poor Pete Alonso. Um, then you have the second round. So Vladdy comes back out, and the place is buzzing, right? And they're like, there's no way he can do what he did in the first round. And it's funny because the guys I was there with, one of them looked over at me and he said, watch him hit 30. And he goes out there and he puts up another 29. The place is going batshit crazy for this kid. So like this this guy who, you know, there was mixed opinions on whether or not he was actually like warranted in being there. All of a sudden, Santana's out. So... Progressive Field is now like Vlad Jr. country. You know, every time he hits the ball, like people are up and fist pumping. And then all of a sudden he puts up another 29. And you're like, holy crap. Like, dude's got 58 home runs in two rounds. So then, right, Jock Peterson's sitting on the sidelines. He's got to be thinking, well, fuck me, right? Jock Peterson comes up. What does he do? Hits 29 home runs. Like, at this point, Progressive Field had come completely unglued. They might as well have just given the winner of that match, you know, the trophy, and called it a day and gone out on top because, you know, they come out for the first, um, the ninety-second overtime. Vladdy Jr. hits eight, and they're like, "It's over." Peterson comes out and hits eight, and then I think the ninth. He almost had nine, but one was just foul. One hit off, like, a foot below the wall. But, like, it's it's like a heavyweight boxing match at this point. Every time someone swings the bat and connects, the crowd is just is, is, is going berserk. It's hanging on every single swing. They still tie. They go to the first swing off. Vladdy hits one out of three out. Peterson hits one out of three and then hits hits one out of two. And then the third one looked like it had the juice and fell short. Vlad comes out and hits two. Peterson hits one. They go 40 to 39, Vlad. And like I said, at that point, the air just let out a progressive field. Like Acuna and Alonzo after that, uh, you know, was basically, you know, just filler at that point. Um, while we waited to see who was going to face Vlad in the main event. Uh, it ended up being Alonzo. Vlad runs out of gas. Uh, but gets a huge standing ovation from the progressive field crowd. Alonzo ends up winning. Crowd kind of turned around. There were still a few people booing after the whole Santana fiasco, but it was uh, Alonzo picks up the win. But I mean, here's the thing what people are going to remember from the 2019 home run derby is not that Pete Alonzo won, it's that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit 91 freaking home runs in three rounds of a home run derby and went in the space of two and a half hours from being a guy that skeptics thought shouldn't be there because he hadn't earned the right to be there to being, you know, the face of the young MLB. And it it was absolutely insane. It was crazy. I can only imagine, you know, how how intense and insane it looked on TV. Um, But to be there at Progressive Field Live, uh, it was... Uh, it was amazing. I mean, it, it's one of those things you really can't quantify into words. It was definitely 
um, more dramatic, more intriguing than the actual All-Star game itself, which was a fantastic game. Uh, but yeah, that home run derby for me is something that I'm not surely soon to forget. Again, thanks to Chris Jardine, Snaggle J for his input. He is in Cleveland. I'm home on my couch eating Pringles watching the Home Run Derby. He's got a bird's eye view. Check him out on Twitter at Snaggle J and follow the links to his podcast. It is certainly worth a listen. And I hope to have Snaggle J on in the weeks to come here so we can have an in-depth conversation about this Cleveland trip. Unbelievable. Jerry's hat trick topic Number two, I have Kawhi and I have Habs here. Where are you going now? And you don't know what I mean by the Habs, do you? No, I don't. Okay. Well, let's start with Kawhi then. Okay. Now, as mysterious as the man is, and this has been a big topic of conversation in the sports world, not only the free agency in basketball, but free agency in hockey. So free agency in basketball, everything seemed to be sorted out. Can I, can I jump in here real yes. quickly? I, I take a back seat on this one. Don't throw anything at me here because I'm not a great basketball mind. No, I won't. I can get into Raptor Mania, but I don't know the finer points, so I'm learning here as you speak. Go. I find it interesting the way he approached this. Very methodical. Kawhi-like. Yes. Very quiet. And he makes his announcement of which team he's going to go to. And there was the scuttlebutt that he was in, and he actually gave Toronto audience. He was in Toronto and listened to them and was really close, but had to go home to the Clippers. Mm -hmm. But he makes the announcement in the middle of the night. He launches a press release in the middle of the night. So this is what I read. Okay, so hang on here. So now we got to paint a picture here because I know where you're going with this. So now broadcast Jerry and broadcast Patty, nerds that we are, are realizing that there's a whole scenario that's playing out here. Fill the folks in there. Okay, so if you make the announcement in the middle of the night, let's say 3 a.m. Eastern time, okay, TSN and Sportsnet have had their nightly wrap-up show that will then run for the what they call the morning loop. So everybody's starting. I think it starts at 6 or 7 a.m. You'll see the same Sports Center for both Sportsnet and TSN over and over again. See, you know, see it once, that's all you need. Right. See it once, that's all you need. So when he drops the bomb at 3 a.m. in the morning, that staff has gone home. They had to call them back in to do a new one because this was the big story. And you read this somewhere. Yes. Wow. Those guys had to be brought back in because, again, that loop would run, Patty, until 6 or 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. And you cannot have not have the Kawhi story in there. Right. So they have to come back and do their whole cast all over again, of which then gather together your NBA experts and mm. get them on the line right. to, and put their input into the cast. Yes. If, it's, if, it's a, if it's a tall, a good cast, you're going to have those people. Your involved. NBA insiders and yes. your pundits. Again, Kawhi, I don't know if he likes to uh, um, throw a wrench into everything, but that certainly did. And his announcement, very quiet. Very, he's, you know, he's not... He's not having an hour-long show. Where's Kawhi going to go? I've been clear that I'm not a great basketball mind, but uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, it sucks, and yeah, he's a clipper, and yeah, the Raptors are less of a team without him, but you know what? I, I look at it be, the other way. He delivered the goods. I think he'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. No, but, uh, but what I'm saying is uh, Kawhi did. delivered the goods. He took us to the promised land, and yes. when I say us, I literally mean the entire country because we were, we were all hanging on Raptors games. So... I, I guess I got to be okay with it. Yeah. He went you for do. a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and as and I understand sh- it, I don't know the finer points of the contract, but uh, what they call max money. 
Mm-hmm. Do you understand that whole uh, scenario? No, but he gets really the max money when he hits 10 years. Right. So, again, it's just a short contract with the Clippers. Right. And But it did. He also orchestrated um, – who was the lad that came over from uh, Houston? Um, he orchestrated another guy coming from another team to, to, to join sh- him in, in L.A. To run shotgun with him, yeah. Again, I don't understand how that works in basketball. How you can just isn't – that, isn't that pilfering? Isn't that uh, tampering? Isn't that – Well, it, it's the opposite of something you and I are more closely connected to. Uh, I mean, we watch enough NHL and trade deadlines a big day in our worlds, but it is quite the opposite of, of what we know from the NHL standard. Mm-hmm. The, the way it happens in the NBA. To think that Jerry the Superstar can call Patty the Superstar and convince me to bail on my team and sign with another team, it just doesn't happen in, in the NHL. Yeah. It seems like in the NBA they like they like three super strong teams in the East and three super strong teams in the West and don't really care about anybody else. Mm. So the contract, 2019-2020 season, base salary, you ready for this? Yeah. Jesus, base salary $32.742 million. <laughs> How many years? And then in 2021, same price. And then in 2021-22, it goes up to 36. So it, it goes up it's incrementally. It's a three-year term, yeah. So then once he gets into his 10th year, and that probably that third year is an option. And again, I haven't dug into this. Just like he did have the option to sign with the Raptors. He came here with a year and an option. That's when the uh, they trade... The trade from San Jose to San Antonio came mm-hmm. to Toronto. He had a year and an option, and he decided not to exercise the option. The The Raptors tried to negotiate a two- or three-year bridge to get him to the 10 years in the league, which then gets him the max, max, super max, whatever it is, and uh, he decided to go to L.A. May Anyways, I, re- I don't begrudge him for doing that. I do think the Raptors will be all right. May I read? Yes. Kawhi Leonard signed a three-year, $103 million contract yeah. with the Clippers, including a $103 million guarantee, an annual average salary of 34.3 in 2019-2020. Uh, he earns a base of 32.7, carrying a cap hit of 32.7 and a dead cap value of 32.7. The key word there? Whatever, guaranteed. Whatever in that hell that dead cap value is, I don't it's understand. guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. And you know he had so the Clippers go before he came to Toronto. the Clippers go zero and eighty two. Kawhi makes his bank. Well, if he gets injured, he's still getting paid. Yeah, right. Max. But again, I'm okay with it. Kawhi took yeah. us to the promise. No, no, land I like him. Nothing I don't, but good no, memories. I have no ill ill will towards him. And uh, God bless. He's going back home and and uh, see if he can't do the same sort of magic in L.A. But then there's more pressure on him because if you think about it, Pat, I didn't have any pressure or expectations of Kawhi Leonard. No. When he came to Toronto. And it was funny, on Twitter, they had a Twitter account that said, is Kawhi playing tonight? <laughs> and it was either a yes or a no yeah, every yeah. night that he wasn't playing. Low I management. Thought, what is with this guy? He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't play every game. <laughs> Even and if we he, did have ill will towards him, Jerry, I would say that Kawhi Leonard doesn't give a sweet flying no. fuck what you and I no. think. All right. Okay, along the free agency lines. Go oh, ahead. You're still on that one now? You're no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to change subjects. Okay, so Jerry's hat trick. Uh, this is number three. Here we are in the second week of July. Talking hockey. Here we go. And I'm not a I'm not a Habs fan. I don't dislike the F- Habs. I don't like them. Oh. I know the Morrisons will be mad with me, but uh, Brad Siller will be mad with me. But anyways, the Habs trying to make some stuff happen in free agency, of which you have the opportunity to offer a player a contract that plays on another team. If he's a, uh, I don't know if it's RFA, UFA. I don't know what the terms are, Patty. But it, it's for Sebastian Aho who just finished three years in the league, so he was his entry-level contract. He was open to be what they call um, 
offer sheeted, mm -hmm. if that's a term. Mm -hmm. Okay? It seems around the league nobody wants to do it. Because it's an unwritten law, don't do it to me, you wouldn't want it done to you, that sort of thing. Okay? So what do the Montreal do? They offer Aho a great contract, of which is structured that he makes all kinds of guaranteed money and a small salary so it doesn't kill your salary cap. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I think maybe trying to scare away Carolina, didn't think Carolina could come up with that money, whatever the case. The other way you could look at it, but it's frowned upon Bergeron for doing so, and that he might get blacklisted. Paul Holmgren said in this last, uh, during the week of which where Bergeron did it, he felt he was blacklisted when he offersheeted. Isn't it Bergevin? Bergevin, what did I say? Bergeron? Bergeron. Bergeron. Okay. Uh, when he offersheeted, I think it was Pronger. No, it was in Nashville. It was Shea Weber. Okay. It was Shea Weber. He offered. Uh, he had an offer sheet for Shea Weber, which then Nashville stepped up and offered Shea what the offer sheet was, and he felt he was blackballed after that point. Now it's always been in place. You want to say something? Well, no. I just I'm trying to understand. So Bergevin makes the offer sheet, hoping Carolina folds the cards, and there and therefore Aho is now a Canadian. Right. Or conversely, Carolina goes, "Fuck you, Bergevin," and signs him. Right. Now. Now. So just so I understand, does Carolina have to sign him at the conditions that Bergevin was throwing well, at him? See, now that's the key. Oh, okay, good. See, it seemed like Montreal, there's two ways to look at it. Let's say Montreal and Carolina are in cahoots. Okay. Okay. Uh, future considerations. Okay. You know. Ah. Why don't you offer Aho this contract? Okay. And we, so once Aho accepts it, and then Carolina gets to say, okay, we'll do it too. We'll match he, it. He, beco he becomes a Carolina Hurricane again for a price that maybe Aho thought he could get more for. But now he's agreed to the Montreal contract. So now Carolina doesn't have to do any negotiating and says, okay, we'll match that. Bang, you're signed. See, I know you to be a conspiracy theorist, so you think it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. It is possible. They could be in cahoots. I would say, by the way, the owner of the Hurricanes, whose name escapes me, responded. Yeah. I don't think that to be the case, but that's, a, that's a likely scenario. Because Montreal constructed it it. it. it keeps the price down. Absolutely. Yeah. He's not in the open market. I like that. And now they don't have to negotiate with I him. I like that theory, I should say. I like Now, the, the other part where uh, that I kind of throw that out the window is the way that Montreal constructed it, that Aho gets like $20 million off the top in his first year, guaranteed. Oh, oh my. Okay, they say whatever money that was, if it was 2022, whatever it might have been, that would be the gate that Carolina would have taken in last year with all the tickets they sold. Is that it? Yes. Wow. Well, you know what their attendance oh, I, was like. I know. I just seen that's low. Yes. Wow. So on the other hand. Yeah, there's a it, lot of red seats at a Hurricanes home game. Yes. And Montreal doesn't get away scot-free if Ajo did sign with the Canadians. Canadians had to give up a first, a second, uh, two-thirds, you know, a variety of picks, but no bodies. Right. Just a bunch of picks. Right. Okay? So after evaluating, I really do think that Montreal was trying to improve their team by getting Ajo, a great player, 21 years old, super good, uh, super hockey player uh, in their squad, and it's just interesting to see whether or not Bergeron will find a black cloud over his head from other general managers for trying to do something like that. Is the average Canadians fan okay with Bergevin's play on that? I think so, because he's trying to improve the team. And if, if you look at it as in, well, Bergeron's now going to get blacklisted, but we got our guy, 
they'd be happy with that mm-hmm. because they have a wealth of up and coming players and they still have uh, 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 a number of picks and they want to take a run at stuff. They've made some moves that have uh, enhanced their lineup and uh, an Ajo would have made a tremendous uh, difference uh, to their team. So I found that part of free agency, which seems so wheelie deely in, uh, in the NBA is so Constricted, if you will, controlled, controlled, tempered. in the NHL. Yeah, in the NHL. I agree. It's not a. It's not a. Uh, it's a. It's a gentleman's agreement not to do it, perhaps. And if you do do it, you're considered stepping outside of bounds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Jerry's hat trick round number two: Vladdy Guerrero Jr., <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, and all things Montreal Canadiens and Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> Future podcast coming up, folks. We have a couple in the hopper. Um, by request, uh, Jerry and I will lament over some bus trips, some hotel stories. That will come. It will come. S- some arena stories. That yes. will come somehow, some way. We're also endeavoring to smash together a doozy on the Miramichi Trivolt Rivermen, as they were called in year number one, who went all the way to the Nationals in year number one with a ridiculous lineup, a bumper crop of local hockey players. And fine citizens and uh, fine individuals who have gone on to be outstanding citizens. It's interesting you would say that. I never really thought about that, but you're 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah, all pillars in the community. Yeah. All raising their own families. Holy shit, I never really thought about that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, fascinating stuff about that, and it's a story that needs to be told, needs to be shared, and for those of you who do remember it, at least to remember it yet again. And then, of course, we're going to have a upcoming Nationals-centric podcast here as we get closer to the first pitch of that. Then we'll be bleeding into the upcoming hockey season. And, of course, uh, geez, Jerry, I was reading uh, one of Hodges' articles the other day. The Moncton Wildcats, uh, they had released their training camp, and you just can't imagine that we're on the cusp of that again. Well, they got a real kick in the nuts there the other day with uh, – can I say that? Sure. Okay. With uh, their leading scorer. McKenna. Jeremy McKenna being yes. signed by – and this is after he was in Dallas's, I don't know, uh, initiation camp, let's call it. Okay. Because uh, this isn't even rookie camps yet. But they, they invite people to camps to evaluate them. And then he goes from Dallas to Calgary, of which Jacob Pelche was the first pick by Calgary in the NHL draft. Mm-hmm. First round pick. Mm-hmm. He and McKenna played together on a line mm-hmm. in Moncton. Whether or not that helped, but so the, the uh, inside is McKenna worked really hard since the season ended to improve his skating, which he needed to do. And they were impressed and offered him what they call a two-way contract, which means when if he's down, not in the NHL, right. he's in the AHL as a 20-year-old, and the Moncton Wildcats were certainly counting on him as a stud 20-year-old this year. And so that seems to uh, a little bit of a wrench into the gears, if you will. All right. And with that, uh, the Timberwolves are embarking on their 20th season in the Maritime Hockey League. So there's four podcasts uh, that are we... Hey, I ran into Brendan Milson the other day, and he's getting ready. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So they are preparing for their 20th season, and we are preparing for those four podcasts. So thanks so much for listening in. Fire us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks to LJ Patterson Sales. Check them out online at ljpattersonsales.com. Always a deal on a boat or a trailer or a piece of gear, depending on whatever season it is. ljpattersonsales.com. And thanks for what they do for the run here. We good for now? Good. Love talking senior ball. I could do that all night. All right. Take care. Okay, you too. And thanks for listening in.